following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. Hey, life is going to throw choices at you every day. It is so much easier if you make a choice when you can think clearly rather than the heat of the moment when there's pressure and peer pressure you can make a bad choice. But if you make a predetermined choice, then that is going to bring you through. And so we're going to look at that this morning. Um, How many of you drove to church this morning? How many of you came to a red light and stopped? How many of you went through a red light? (laughs) You didn't. You stopped because you've been trained to stop at a red light or you've learned the hard way. You've had a ticket, and you're going, I'm not doing that again. So when we came to that red light this morning, we automatically stopped. We predetermined, that is a choice for me. If we make predetermined choices, when we come to decision-making, that predetermined choice can kick in and will certainly help us to make the right choice without bad consequences afterwards. And so we learn this from Jesus. Jesus made a huge predetermined choice. Let's think to the Garden of Gethsemane. We're just at Easter. And when Jesus was at the Garden of Gethsemane, and you know what? That was the best picture I can find. But he looks so in control. I'm thinking, where's a Garden of Gethsemane picture with the agony and the sweating drops of blood? Because while he was there in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was facing the cross. And he, in his humanity, was thinking it is incredible physical agony. It is incredible physical shame. But more than that, the sin of the whole world, and you know, I I really struggle to get my head around it, but the sin ever since man began to ever since the end of this world, that sin was being put onto Jesus, and he was becoming sin. And he was looking at this event that was about to happen to him, and he was in agony. And we read it in Luke chapter 22, verse 41. It says, Jesus knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. What was he praying? God, is it a plan B? Is is there any way out of this as I see the sin of the world approaching, and I'm the one that's never sinned, and I've got to become sin? God, is there another way? Then he says, yet, I want your will, not mine. And it goes on, the agony was so strong in his heart. I mean, the pressure was on him that he was bleeding like sweats of of blood, which is incredible. And why was the choice so difficult? Because he knew he had heaven, resources of heaven right there. Because later on, when he was arrested. You remember Peter and, and Pastor Chris spoke great on Peter last week. Peter took out a, a sword and chopped off the ear of one of the guys. And this is what Jesus said. He said, don't you realize I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly. That's in Matthew twenty-six fifty-three. So Jesus knew that really if he said, God, I need a plan B, get me out of here. God would have done and answered him instantly. But you see, Jesus was looking beyond the immediate to a much bigger cause in eternity. He had a predetermined choice 
of why he needed to go to the cross. And in John 12, 27, he says this in the garden. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from what lies ahead? But this is the very reason why I came. Father, bring glory to your name. He's realizing the choice was made. When I decided to leave heaven to come to be born in a manger, I made the choice. I would be the savior of the world. And we see it in John 19, 18. He says, no one can take my life from me. I lay it down voluntarily. So he had made the choice. He was just living on his choice. And I love Hebrews 12 too. It says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross despising or scorning the shame it was going to bring because he was looking for you and me. He was looking to be the savior of this world. And so because he'd made that predetermined choice, it empowered him in the heat of the moment when the agony was facing him, I've made my choice. I'm going to be the savior of the world. And I reckon, well, if Jesus needed to make predetermined choices and it helped him, how good for us to make predetermined choices too. And as I was musing on this sermon, I began to think of the choices that I have made throughout my life that has brought me to this place. I'll share a few of them because I think you'll identify. My first choice was that Jesus comes first. I want to find and I want to do his will. That is the first choice. Another choice is that I believe the Bible from beginning to end. And even when it's not trendy or you'll hear stuff and people fight against the truth of God's word, I have chosen to believe it and live by it. And I choose to believe the promises in the Bible, even when circumstances may look the opposite. I choose to believe the Bible. That really helps me when the winds blow and my, my faith is tested. I've also chosen to the best of my ability to be a good ambassador for Jesus Christ. I want my life to shine for him. I want the words that come out of my mouth to be gracious words, words that I'm not ashamed of. So you won't hear me swear. You ask my husband and my kids. I don't think they've ever heard me swear. No, because I choose not to. Can I swear? You bet. I know the same swear words as you do. Yeah, but I choose not to use them because it doesn't represent Jesus well. That's a predetermined choice. I choose that my actions should bring glory to him. I, I choose to try and guard my heart. So when people offend me or hurt me, I have to make a choice. Well, I either live and become bitter or I choose to forgive and exercise grace. Is it always easy? No way. I want to kill them too. <laughs> I'm married into the mafia family. But I choose to try and be gracious and, and exercise that. I, tr I choose to be honest, even to the fact, you know, if they give me 20 cents too much in the supermarket, I have to give it back. I just can't stand it. My, my integrity, my honesty is worth far more than however much money comes. So I choose to live in honesty. You know, in relationships, John and I, when we got married, chose divorce was not an option. So we looked at each other and said, we're either going to work it through or we're going to live unhappy, but we're not going to get divorced ever. That was a great choice because there were some times when, you know, he's so stubborn on time. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it'd be like, oh, let me out of here. Let me find somebody that does what I want. <laughs> <laughs> but because we've made the predetermined choice, 
we work through it. And there's nothing better than working through and then having 33 years later the person that knows every single fault but still loves you and is committed to you. That is a treasure. But we got there because we'd made that predetermined choice. I've also made a choice that if life is tough, and it is, yeah, we all go through tough stuff. When life gets tough, I cry out to God. And for me, suicide is never an option. We've taught it to our kids. No matter how hard it gets, it is not an option. You know, and my heart breaks for those of you who have had suicide related to your families, and I I am sorry for that and the pain it causes. But let that pain reinforce to you too. If you're ever tempted to try and take that as a way out, don't do it. Pick up the phone and call someone. There is usually an answer to your situation. Someone can help you through it, okay? So make that predetermined choice. No matter how hard it gets, you're not going to go there because that may save you when you're really on the brink. So those are the choices we need to do. You know, young people, there's some young people there, but all over, as, as a kid, I think God was gracious. I made choices. Why should I ever do anything that is addictive? Why should I pick up a cigarette? And I, I, I think mum and dad must have drilled it into me, but I would look at people smoking going, why do they do that? They just hurt in their body. So when I was offered, in the old days, yeah, they still offered us stuff like cigarettes and drugs. I go, no, thank you. You'd be stupid to do that. Why would you do that? I determined never to get drunk. Why? Because the Bible says don't do that. It doesn't say against alcohol, but it certainly says against drunkenness. And I decided to set my boundaries, and I, I determined never to get drunk because that would please God. And you know what? These choices that I made as a teenager and as a young girl, they've, they've really helped guard my life. Like I'm a lot more pain-free than maybe even some of you sitting here who didn't make those choices for whatever reason. I've not had to struggle with addictions, and I'm so grateful. But I didn't just get there by chance. I got there because I determined in my heart and made a choice. And we all have to make the choices that are going to shape and govern the rest of our lives. And if we make the right choices, it'll be so good for us. Because right choices... Bring the blessing of God. I was reading Deuteronomy 28. Oh, my goodness. Talk about a chapter that brings out, if you obey God, these are the blessings. If you don't obey God, uh uh-oh, big trouble. But I thought, Lord, I need a New Testament, not just the old. That's good, but I want the new. And there's a verse in Romans 6, verse 16. It says this, don't you realize whatever you choose to obey becomes your master? You can choose sin which leads to death. Or you can choose to obey God and receive his approval. And when we make godly choices that is pleasing to God and we find it in his word, it brings life. It brings peace. It doesn't mean that everything goes perfect, but it means as we go through, we have this Oh, inbuilt strength that makes us overcomers and live in a peaceful mind and a, oh, just being right with God, it's beautiful, yeah? So good choices just bring up so much blessing. So you say, well, Anne, thank you, but I've made some real bad choices. What about me? Well, we've all made bad choices, yeah? But I love God because he's the God of the second chance, And last week, Pastor Chris spoke about Peter. And we see in the life of Peter, you know, in Luke chapter 2, verse 31, 
Jesus looked at Peter and warned him and said, Simon Peter, you are likely to fail, but you can repent, come back to me and find your purpose. You read it there. And Peter says this, Lord, I'm ready to go with you and uh, to prison with you and even to die for you. So Peter's going, don't tell me that I'm going to deny you anything like that. I'm going to just live for you. Yep. Well, Jesus got arrested and Peter is following at a distance and sees and realizes they're going to crucify my Jesus. Then he realizes we're all in trouble. And so when people then came into his life and said to him, you're with this Jesus, aren't you? He denied him once. He denied him twice. He denied him three times. Then the Bible says this in Luke 22:60. After the third denial, as he said these words, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter Then Peter remembered that the Lord had said, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. And Peter left the courtyard crying bitterly. At that point, Peter just felt so much remorse. He had denied his Jesus. He denied the one that had called him into a whole new life. And he denied him and let him down. And he felt the pain and he felt the agony. You know, when you make bad choices... We have consequences, and often we feel the pain. We feel the agony. But Peter, in that time of pain and agony, must have made a a, a vow to say, God, if if there's a second chance here, I will never deny my Jesus again. I'm not going to feel this again. And God is a beautiful God of the second chance. And you know what I love? At the resurrection... When the women came running to the empty tomb, the angel said to the women there, go and tell the disciples and Peter. He was singled out. How amazing, how beautiful for Peter. The angel said his name, said, tell him that I, I have risen. And then later on, as Jesus and Peter were talking, this is the resurrected Jesus, Jesus said to Peter three times, Hello, do you think that's just a coincidence that he would say it three times? And often when people preach on this, they they concentrate more about the answers that Peter gave back. But Jesus was asking three times, do you love me, Peter? And Peter three times says, yes, Lord, I love you. And each time that he was speaking it, it was counteracting that denial of Jesus. And you know what happened? Peter became the spokesman for the church. And in the book of Acts, he was full of power, full of the Holy Spirit, amazing man. And, and uh, I think it was because he'd accepted the forgiveness and he said, I'm not going to deny Jesus again. Now, with Peter, we think history tells us in about 64 AD, he was crucified by the emperor Nero. And history says he chose to be crucified upside down because he was not worthy to die like Jesus Christ. But you see... He could have denied Jesus again, but no way. He'd learned his lesson. Now he'd made a choice. I will never deny Jesus again. And so it cost him his life. But, you know, he, he, he really won, didn't he? He's gone into heaven and has gone down in history as just an amazing man of God. So if you've made a bad choice, go to God, get his forgiveness. Then make a a new predetermined choice. I am not going to make that that error again. I'm going to make a good godly choice. And then pray, Holy Spirit, 
please help. When I come to that time of pressure and heat, please help me through it again. And, and the Holy Spirit is brilliant. So how do we empower a predetermined choice? If you've made choices, you know, hopefully you're standing by the things in the Word of God that you know what to do. How do you empower that choice? Well, the way is set boundaries. And I was looking for a fence, but I think that's a pretty good fence. Yeah, that's better than the picket fence at your place. That's the sort of boundaries you want. You want foolproof, really hard to break through boundaries. Let me give you an example. You know, talking about marriage. John and I have chosen to be faithful to each other. So throughout our life, we say, honey, we're going to be faithful. How do we do that? We set great boundaries. We don't entertain the opposite um, sex by ourselves. Even when John's traveling, I don't have a man come and have lunch with me by myself or anything like that. We don't do that. When we are counseling the opposite gender, we make sure we're in safe, well-controlled, accountable environments, excuse me, so that we are always kept safe and well and accountable. Is it that he doesn't trust me? Is it that I don't trust him? No. But any affair starts when a man and a woman that shouldn't be having that relationship have time alone and develop some sort of friendship which grows until we have trouble. So we decide, why bother? If we're going to have friendships, let it be in a safe environment where we're both around and have good friends. So we've set the boundaries to protect that choice that we want to remain faithful to each other. And by the grace of God, we have. And I've also, I did something else to empower that choice. I said, God, if ever I am tempted to look at another man the wrong way, can you come and intervene? I give you permission right now to just get rid of that person out of my life or make me so aware of it. Why? Because I want to finish well. I want to be whole for my husband. I want to be whole for my kids and my family. So I ask God as well. And so those predetermined things that you have, giving God permission to come in and just keep you safe is a great way of just guarding your life. So you can have huge boundaries set up around you, keeping you safe. You know, addiction is a huge thing in our world today. Can you set up some huge boundaries to stop addictions. No alcoholic would ever be alcoholic if they hadn't tasted that first drink or gone too far. So let's, let's talk to some of the young kids. Hey, you young kids, if you don't want to be an alcoholic, don't start. Or if you have a bit of drink, half a cup, that's it. Okay, just watch yourselves. If you don't want to be a, a gambler, don't start. I wouldn't even buy a lottery ticket. I'm one of those people that when you've got them selling for a good cause, I say, can I just donate instead of buying a ticket? And if they say no, I say, okay, put your own name. I don't want it. I don't want to be involved with that. Why? I'm trying to have good boundaries to keep my life safe so I don't end up a broken person. There are other boundaries. Think, oh, I'm going to jump ahead. I don't want to do that. Let me go back over here. Okay, so... Boundaries. I want to give you an example before I go on to the next thing on Daniel. So Daniel in the, the book of Daniel here. I love Daniel. He was a, just an incredible man. He was an exile. He had lost his freedom. He'd lost his home. He'd lost his family. And now he's being raised in a foreign culture. So really, 
He had every right to complain. There's no more freedom for him. He had to do what this culture imposed upon him. But he made a predetermined choice. I am going to try and keep the God principles in my life as much as I can, despite all the odds that are against me. And so when the king said they had to eat certain type of food, he was brave enough to go, um, I actually want to eat another type of food. He tried to set this boundary. And long story short, Daniel 1.8 says this, he purposed in his heart or made up his mind um, to do what was right. And, and I love that. That's a predetermined choice. He, so Daniel 1.8, he purposed in his heart, decided what was right for him. He was tested on it. Remember, he was thrown into a lion's den because of one of his predetermined choices. But God was faithful and brought him through. And Daniel ended up being like the prime minister of the land. But more than that, because of his lifestyle and because of the choice that he made, the king said, and all my nation be aware that we need to honor the God of Daniel. And so he not only was blessed himself by rising to an incredible role, but the whole nation was, was told to honor God as well. He influenced an entire nation through his choice. That is amazing. We don't really fully understand, do we, the ramifications of the choices that we made. But, but Daniel, because he made that predetermined choice and then had the boundaries to, to reinforce it, he, he was kept strong and became an incredible influence in the land. We're so caught up with living for the moment. And yet, we need to look at the big pictures around us. The choices that we are making today are going to influence not only our future, but the future of our generations after us. There's an example that I found, and I think I've used it here before. And I know the scientists can say, well, there's got to be other factors, but I do like it. Can we just have a look at two men called Jonathan Edwards and Max Jukes? They were both born in the 1800s, so they came in a similar time together. Jonathan Edwards is a famous Christian, a theologian. Um, You can Google him and see his sermons. He was an amazing man of God. He chose to live a very godly lifestyle. With Jonathan Edwards... That's from all the descendants that he had there. He had college presidents, professors, lawyers, authors, physicians, ministers, and good farmers, which is, you know, right back there. That'd probably be similar to IT right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Jonathan Edwards, by making the choices to live for God and live in a godly lifestyle, had some fantastic descendants. At the same time, living on a parallel to him was a guy called Max Jukes. Max was a notorious criminal, okay? He had uh, no principles, no character, and this is his offspring. Delinquents, drunkards, prostitutes, people with sexually transmitted diseases, and over 100 spent an average of 13 years in prison. What if Max Jukes had made a better choice to live for God? I wonder if, if his descendants would have had much better futures. And you just got to think, gosh, two men living in the same times, but the choices that they made influenced the future generations that came after them. And our question is this. 
Will this action benefit the destiny of God on my life? When you're going to do something, you're young people when you're making a choice. Is the action going to benefit God in your life? And what result will the choice have on my future generations? If we kept thinking about the big picture, we'd probably live a lot different. What are you doing with your time? Now, let me speak to these young people again. I don't know, probably all over the place. So if you're young, if you're under 100, okay? But (laughs) let me speak to... Sorry, I've got something in my eye here. Something's annoying me. Okay, young people, when you're playing, say, computer games, just watch your time. Will this choice of playing computer games for hours upon hours benefit the kingdom of God in the long run? Why do I pick on that? Because we're having to see that society right now is struggling with the kids playing on the computers. So it it wasn't an issue in my day, and it's certainly not now. I still can't get past that frog in, what was that game? No, on the Sega game. The Sega, didn't you? Uh, Well, I couldn't even get past the first stage, so I just threw it away in disgust and have never gone back there. So to me, I'm not addicted at all, but I know this generation has so many more you know, lures into that. Just guard yourself. Will the choice benefit the destiny of God in my life? Who are the friends we're mixing with? Are they friends that are going to build us up? Because you will become like the people you hang with. So if you hang with people that are passionate for God, it's going to rub off on you. If you hang with people that don't know God or don't love God, you're going to start losing your passion. So pick your friends right. Pick your actions right. Pick what you do right because we want to be able to answer that and go, I want to fulfill the will of God for my life. And so because of that, I have to make predetermined choices and that will keep you really well. In the book of Joshua, Joshua 24 verse 15, he says this, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Now he, he made that choice when he threw it out to the rest of Israel So are you guys going to go and turn your back on God and serve foreign gods? He says, well, I'm not. Me and my house are going to serve the Lord. Do you know what it says about Israel? It says in verse 31 that the nation of Israel served the Lord for the life of Joshua. Once Joshua died, they began to get into serious trouble. So, you know, the choices that we make is so important. And so... Life is going to present all of us daily with choices. Sometimes it's easy. Can we see the next one? Not much choice there. (laughs) Did you see that in America, sweetheart? I'm sure that's America. Not much choice, easy. And sometimes, oh, it's like easy, easy peasy. I can make this choice. I can stand for God. I am wonderful. You know, I'm doing great. But then you may get this. This is in America. This is Los Angeles. Did you go there, darling? It looks like Dallas. What if you came to that bit and you didn't know the road you needed? And you don't have a GPS? If you like me, I'd park the car and cry. (laughs) And then after crying, I would ring a taxi and say, come and get me, take me to where I need to go, okay? But if you come to a place like that and you don't know where you're going, you're lost. That's the power of a predetermined choice. When you come to life situations like that, if you've got a predetermined choice, no matter what the pressure is and the traffic is mayhem around you and your peers are yelling and your hormones are yelling and your temper's yelling and all of that, if you've got a predetermined choice, 
you'll make the right choice to go through to get to your destination. If you haven't made a predetermined choice, chances are you're going to get stuffed. Yeah? And so now is the time to make predetermined choices. And I love the verse in Psalm 25, verse 12. And we come into a close. If Liz, if you can come up. It says this, When people choose to follow the Lord, he shows them the best way to live. Choosing to live God's way doesn't mean you become a fuddy-duddy. Choosing to live God's way is that you live a life of peace. You live a life where you can get satisfied, where there's great fulfillment. You live a life where you're not open to pain and to things going wrong in, in, in your life. Things will go wrong, but it won't be out of your silly choices. So choosing to live the way that God has is so much the best for us. But we have to predetermine what are the things that I will stand for no matter what. And if you make that choice now and put your boundaries in place, you'll get on a right path. And when you get to heaven, God will be saying, well done. Well done, girl. Well done, fella. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And we'll, you know, maybe he'll show us what could have happened if we did a plan B. And for some, it'll be wonderful. And for some, it'll be like, if only I'd made the right choice. So my challenge to you this morning has been, please be aware of your choices. Get the big picture. Make the right choice. And predetermine now, no matter what, you're going to live on God's choices. It will be the very best for you. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 